Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Hello and welcome to another episode of Surveyor Says. This is installment number two of our new series called What is Surveying? And what we're trying to accomplish is to really talk about what surveying is in the 21st century. And so we're looking at it from a perspective right now with our first couple of guests uh, from the GIS and the surveying world and, and how geospatially we're all working together. Uh, our guest today, well, it's actually going to be kind of a, a twofold. Um, she's here to talk about her GIS side and her surveying side, but she's also the new director, uh, NSPS director for South Dakota. So we'd like to uh, welcome you, Miss Linda Foster, and give us a little bit of background of how in the world you got in both surveying and GIS and how that all mixes together. Well, thank you, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. And uh, just so much fun to, to come and have these conversations. And you ask, how did I get where I am? I think is the, the root of your, your question there. And uh, a little bit about myself. I hold a Bachelor of Science degree in Geological Engineering. And I also hold a Master's degree in GIS, Geographic Information Systems. And along the way, I also did become a professional land surveyor. So you might ask yourself, how does one end up in this sort of a predicament maybe or profession or career? <laughs> and it was a, a bit of a, a interesting path. I started out um, introduced to GIS actually in high school working for the U.S. Forest Service as a student employee. Mind you, this has been some years ago now and technology has come a long, long ways. And of course, being a student, I was uh, the lower end of the totem pole and found myself spending many hours hanging over a digitizing table and thinking this is the most awful thing that could ever happen. And proceeded to go on to engineering school where I again was introduced uh, to GIS through my degree program. And now we're moving you know, more into the technology age and so we have a GUI interface, which is pretty exciting. And I started to understand the real power of GIS and how it could really help in engineering. Along the way, I also uh, was scheduled to take mine surveying as a geological engineering student. However, the professor was on sabbatical the, sem the semester I needed to take it. So I found myself in the civil engineering department taking uh, the civil engineering land surveying course and loved it. Really enjoyed my time there. And after I graduated, um, I, I did a couple of internships along the way that the GIS background just kept following me and found myself in my first full-time job, and I just couldn't shake the GIS component, but found myself working in a civil engineering firm. So really the engineering, the surveying, and the GIS just have been this perfect storm kind of around me for the duration of my, my career, uh, which is now about 18 years in, and I've found myself just working all three aspects of it really consistently, and, and um, you know, I, 
obtained my land surveying licensure after I came to work for the firm I'm with now. I've been here uh, going on 16 years, small firm. So you start out in the field on a surveying crew. We would survey all day, come in at night, reduce data, um, and get back out there the next day. And I, and I came up through the ranks under some fabulous land surveyors here in our company. And, and so that's really where I came to be. Uh, I've developed the GIS geospatial program for our company, but have done it with a, an eye and a mind towards civil engineering, construction, and with the land surveying component. You know, and you, you've, you've hit on something right there that, and I know so often we still have this engineers versus surveyor battle as well, but I, I like the way you put it about, um, not necessarily, you know, yes, the perfect storm of really kind of the, this, this three-legged stool, uh, but, but the engineering, the surveying and the GIS, what, you know, the way you just described it, it does complement each other so well. And uh, that's what I guess, just hearing that tone of your voice and how much that has worked out as far as being able to put all these pieces together and really make your projects that much more efficient and fun if nothing else you know it really has been fantastic to have um, a pretty decent background in, in all three areas because I have I think some unique insight um, perhaps for each of the three and in the strength and and the benefit that each one brings to the table and can you know hold come into meetings and hold those conversations and maybe bring different perspectives to uh, each stakeholder group that I, I happen to be working with whereas um, just sometimes folks aren't aware of what's possible or what capabilities exist or what's appropriate even sometimes. Exactly. Well, first off, yes, welcome to the NSPS family. We, uh, we are looking forward to, <laughs> to having, you know, we, you've, you've went through your first virtual meeting. Now it uh, looks like the fall is going to happen uh, for us in uh, our meeting in Oak Brook, which will be Oak Brook, Illinois, which will be a lot of fun. It's my backyard and uh, it'll be fun. So it'll be nice to have you and face to face and be able to, to uh, interact uh, on a, on a real world basis. So that the welcome aside, here we are talking about surveying and the grand question we're now raising is what is surveying? And so from your perspective, having started in GIS, got involved in civil engineering, jumped into to land surveying, and spent time in the field, in the office with the different technologies, I guess the, the short answer for Linda Foster is, what is surveying in the 21st century? That's a great question, Tim. And I think really, fundamentally, it comes down to um, what you as a land surveyor would probably um, see land surveying to be, and then that's at its core, you know, the records research, um, getting out in the field and finding the evidence and, and measuring that evidence. And then at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's coming back and applying the law, you know, to the, to, to the record and, and um, rendering that opinion and, and having that legal, um, you know, authority, if you will, to, to perform that type of a task is really what sets a land surveyor apart, I think, uh, in, in the grand scheme of things. Sure. All right. So we're going to rattle off through, through a few uh, standard questions we're going to be asking through this series. And the, big, and the first one is, to me is, is, is a biggie. And it's geospatial data. 
And should any single profession actually claim to own it? Or should we just all pitch in and realize that we all have a hand in geospatial data? I think you hit the nail on the head there, Tim. And that is, we all have a hand in geospatial data. And at the end of the day, fundamentally, I believe that you, you really have to step back and look at and understand how is this data being used? Um, what are we doing with this information and how is it going to be used? And, and that answers, I think, every question that needs to be answered uh, can be summed up with that, that one question. Exactly. Well, because, uh, you know, in, in, in doing some research with this and really starting to kind of kick this around, and we'll have some future guests that I think are going to be able to expand on that even further. Um, I think back to just simple geodesy and the geodetic surveyor, that when it was uh, a lot of solar observations, lunar observations, um, a lot of high tech work um, that was very, very uh time critical, very tedious, very precise. So, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, whatever, you know, if somebody said they were doing state plane coordinates, um, really the geodesists were all, the only ones really being able to pull that, pull that data together with any uh, really sense of accuracy and precision. Um, but GPS, GNSS changed all of that, obviously, for, for us that, that uh, we're pulling pulling geospatial data pretty far down with our phones. Uh, all this dual frequency stuff's getting it pretty pretty tight. So I guess what we're, we're talking about this technology, we're talking about data collection now. Um, real, realistically, it's, it's, all, it's all very, very accurate and precise now. Who can use it? I mean, really, I guess getting, getting away from maybe licensure and... Uh, who needs to be using this accurate of data, in, in your opinion? Well, there again, I think you could really say, theoretically, anyone. What, what's your purpose? What's your goal? What's your, what, what's your end game? I, Linda Foster, as, as a, you know, just as a mom and as a, as a weekender out on my mountain bike, maybe I really want to know for sure, with a pretty good degree of certainty, the grades on those trails that I'm going to go ride. And I, I have the capability to figure that out, you know, and that's okay. That's great. Um, and we can do that now. I mean, that you and I both know and understand that, that that's a real cap that's a real possibility and that's a real use. And I think that's great. There's absolutely nothing, nothing wrong with that. Now, if, um, you know, someone who has the ability to run around with a, uh, let's just say quote unquote survey grade, GPS unit or equipment that's just really capable of getting a highly accurate reading um, decides that maybe they want to go stake something out and, and it's going to be built by a contractor. Uh, but this said individual is, is not licensed or is not, you know, now, now we're starting to cross lines and, and get into an arena where we need to be careful and think about what is it we're doing. Um, now, maybe let's put the GIS hat on and say, uh, you know what, we need to go get updated road centerline information so that we can update the GIS routing system. Um, you know, that's, that's great. Uh, that makes your life better. That makes my life better. And it's for a specific purpose um, that is not involved in, in boundary determination. 
is not involved in engineering design where there's liability, health, safety, and welfare considerations, um, you know, and, and those legal matters that, that come into play. Exactly. Because the reason I asked that is because there's this ongoing question now and lawsuits about some of the, the, the technology being used out there. Um, and I'll speak specifically of the, the lawsuit that's going on in North Carolina right now with a UAV user uh, and taking uh, orthometric photos uh, and applying county GIS lines and, and, and putting these things together. And, but yet saying, no, it's not a survey. Well, but you're presenting something that looks like a survey and could be misconstrued as a survey that uh, I think, you know, well, no, I know you hit it. You hit it on the head that it comes down to your expertise. It comes down to your experience. It comes down to your licensure. Uh, are you properly trained to do what you say you're going to do? And in a lot of cases, are you licensed to do what you're 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 doing? Um and the mountain bike analogy is spoken like the true geo geek. I think we, you know, some of us all are. So, uh, you know, because that's how I always laugh about the people that are, are geocaching and they've got, you know, they, they've got it down to, you know, to the down to the nearest decimeter. And I'm like, really, really, we're looking for a, we're looking for a tin stuck in a tree somewhere, and you're down to the decimeter. I don't think so. But anyway, um, let's let's change gears just a little bit with the geospatial data. Um, and get back, you know, really from the, from the GIS side as well, what cadastral implications should we be thinking about when we're talking about geospatial data and tying land boundaries and these GIS systems, I mean, databases to geospatial data and how important is it that the experience, the accuracy and the knowledge and, and, in, in some cases, licensure really gets tied together with with that database information. Let's, you know, that's a topic that's really near and dear to my heart on whichever, regardless of what the hat I'm wearing at the time, whether it's, it's Linda the GISP or Linda the LS, um, both, both aspects of it are really truly um, important. And I think when we step back and, and look at what cadastral data is, you know, Cadastral information at, at its heart is is the basis of our taxation system, um, and and how our our counties are able to um, um, you know organize and inventory and manage uh, the taxation of the lands in their counties, and that's really the fundamental purpose of of a cadaster at its at its core. And I think when we you know in our country it's so interesting because you know there's title for transfer, and then there's cadaster and and taxation, which is you know two different Two different arenas if you will and when you're thinking about cadaster and taxation you're really really looking at it as more of a, a fabric your your land system and your land records become a fabric if you will um and and they need to to, to flow and be cohesive and you need to understand you know uh from a county-wide basis what you know that inventory of land looks like and the really interesting thing for me as a land surveyor and a GIS professional is that our systems and our capability has grown to the point we can now take record information and store it in these cadastral systems. Whereas before, you know, one of the age old, you know, fights between the GIS folks and land surveyors is that cadastral information is not survey grade. It was not surveyed. It was not reconstructed. And that's, that's all true. 
but there again, what's our purpose and how are we using it? Um, and I, you know, before GIS and digital means came on the scene, I have been in many, many county offices that there is a mylar or a paper map hanging on the wall. And that fabric, if you will, that land base was maintained with a pencil and a ruler, if you're lucky, uh, and sketched, you know, on the wall to the best of their abilities. And so in my mind, we've done nothing but make strides and improvements. Uh, is it perfect? No. If you want to put on your land surveyor's hat and look at a cadaster, you can find faults all over the place. Oh, yeah. But if you, it, you know, if you look at it with a little bit more of a, um, you know, eyes forward type of an approach, it's really done wonderful things for us. It's, it's allowed us to be more efficient in our taxation. It's allowed us to, um, you know, tie those systems together and be able to, to perform the task or tasks necessary for that particular effort. Now, if we're transferring title to a property, we're platting a property, we are, you know, going through the, the, the titling process, the transferring process, then that's a very different story. And absolutely, you need to have the land surveyor involved uh, because now we're looking at one patch in the patchwork quilt. You know, on a, on a more very zoomed in basis, now we're, now we're talking about a single transaction. We're talking about a very specific act uh, with legal implications. And, and that's where, you know, the difference to me is, you know, the cadaster is bigger picture over here. And, you know, the titling and the land surveying acts that are going on are over here on a much more granular scale. Yep, exactly. You know, and it's interesting that, you know, we're in talking about the cadasters, and I know there's, there are different groups within the United States that would like nothing more than to convert our Torrent system, our title system over to a cadaster. Um, but, you know, in, in a perfect world, I think it would be a great thing. I would love to have... Uh, a, a real uh, robust, more accurate cadaster on everything. But, you know, the countries that have been able to do it, um, you know, we've got, we've got areas, you know, we've got states that are bigger than Switzerland. So it's, <laughs> it's one thing to do a turn a whole country like, like Switzerland into a big, one big cadaster. But um, yeah, unfortunately there's just too many hurdles I think to get over. But in the meantime, I think you're right. I think we need, the more we can apply good geospatial data to uh, with with cadaster information you're right it's just going to make things that much more robust i i, I couldn't agree more um and, you know the wonderful thing about some of the new um you know the new capabilities that are out there now when, when you're talking you know specifically about cadaster is the ability and it this just really excites me as, as a gis professional and a land surveyor is the fact that these existing cadasters can be improved now. And I, I mentioned one piece of that, and that is you can actually store record information with those representations, let's call it, of those, those properties. Um, but we can take that a step further now, and we can actually take um, you know, found evidence in the field, ground measurements, and apply least squared adjustment to this fabric to make it better. And that's just tightening up an existing data set, if you will. That's not necessarily treading over into you know the, the the piece of what the land surveyor does inherently right. that's just improving that cadaster um to to be the best form of itself it can possibly be to me there's still very much a separation of what the say gis professional is doing with that cadastral data set versus what a land surveyor's role is 
exactly in that process. No, you, you, you're you're right on the right on the money there. You know the argument that I've I've heard over the years, especially early on, um, that if we go to that that level and we start saving uh, saving these 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 cadaster parcels on literally uh, state plan coordinates or what have you, I know that. Uh, we don't have this problem in Illinois, but we had this we had this situation in Wisconsin where I'm, I'm licensed there as well, that the state went through and remonumented all of the sections. And on every section corner, there is a state plan coordinate. So the old the old guard says, why did they do that? Now, somebody that goes out and surveys that section, they don't even have to go physically survey it. They can inverse between those coordinates and they don't even have to do that anymore, to which my argument is. You know what? If somebody wanted to copy a survey, they're going to do it anyway. I mean, that comes down to, and that's one reason we press on ethics and experience, and you know what a true professional does. So, if somebody wants to try to beat the system, they're going to beat it anyway. But to have the 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 system in place to where it helps that surveyor be able to go find things and be able to effectively put those fabric pieces together, why not? Why not have all of that data in basically real time? So, you know, that's that's just my little piece of it that uh, I think we need to try to trudge ahead and, and continue to build build as many cadaster databases as we possibly can. No, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, to your point about having, say, those corners, you know, found and already out there and documented and but that's a snapshot in time. And, and you and I both know as a land surveyor doing your due diligence and, and performing the tasks that you perform as a surveyor, that's going out and finding that evidence, you know, for each survey that you, you complete. And that's, that's part of the process. That's part of, of what we do. And, and, and so you, you're absolutely right. I, I think it, it only helps us be stronger by having that information. It's a snapshot in time. It's a communication tool that strengthens things for everyone uh, who may have an interest in it. And as you said, it, you know, it can go two ways. It can either be used appropriately or not. And that's going to, that's going to be the case any, any time. Exactly. It's, if people are always going to find a way just to cheat the system and uh, bottom line is uh, it's, it's, it's the rest of us doing what we can to protect the public, to make sure that those people are caught and moved on and, and pushed out of the way. But something else you touched on earlier that I want you to help the listener understand because you are on both sides of the fence. Licensed surveyor, GIS professional, or GISP. Tell us what it takes to become a GISP, and the and I'm trying to put words in your mouth, but the substantial amount of work it takes and the certification to become that GISP, and how that relates or not to being a licensed land surveyor? Sure. No, I think that's a great question and, and probably in a lot of folks' minds, you know, what, what really is the difference? And I think we have to step back and first understand what we're talking about for in regards to the difference between the two. And that's fundamentally what is certification versus licensure. And certification, you know, at its core is generally um, a, a, a program with ethical standards and a, uh, a professional body that there's a standard of knowledge and competency and expectation and ethical behavior expectations that get rolled into a certification process. Licensure, on the other hand, is, is statute-based. 
and legally based. Um, and, and so there's a, there's a, a very big difference there in, in how they're um, applied and what the, the implications are there. Now, to address your question specifically um, on the GISP side, it's a very uh, rigorous process. There's uh, a lot of uh, background uh, knowledge and information and experience um, that, that has to be demonstrated, you know, an application process, much like, uh, you know, going through your LS processes, experience, um, and, and then ultimately an exam to at least have a baseline, you know, a proof of a baseline competency in that particular area, and that, that being the GISP. Um, so a, a little bit different process, a little, you know, different administration, obviously, and implications to the two. Uh, obviously, the land surveying side of things is, is education requirements, um, you know, experience requirements, and then, you know, the, the two, two legs of testing, essentially, that go into obtaining your licensure. And, of course, that varies somewhat from state to state. Well, and I guess the question that I would be from, from your perspective, uh, the GISP, I mean, that's pretty, in, you know, everything I've read about it, and, and to me, it's it's a substantial certification. And yes, it's a certification versus being being licensed, um, which is only really only means it's it's you know recognized different in statutorily. Um, but somebody that goes through that process, I mean, that's that, that that's a pretty pretty high achievement, wouldn't you say? Oh, I would agree, absolutely. Uh, that program has been very, very well developed and uh, just a tremendous amount of effort and expertise and, and time and, and care has gone into developing that program specifically to have a baseline or a basis for the GIS profession um, to have some distinguishment and some, um, you know, benchmarking of, of, of that competency. Exactly. Well, good. And I'm like I said, I've I know there are a lot of people that discount the GISP that it's you know because it's a certification, it's you know it's uh, it's 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 like a, a mail order certificate you get. Um, sorry, folks, it's not. It <laughs> it it it's uh, it's it's pretty pretty robust, pretty substantial, and uh, uh, every GIS, GISP I know, which I didn't know I knew as many as I did, that. Uh, you know, it just to me it adds adds that much more respect that I give that person, knowing what they've accomplished in the GIS realm. So, kudos to you on having both being, like I said, having feet on both sides of the fence. Um, oh, thank you. One one last geospatial uh, question for you: What are you seeing as far as you know with the technology? I mean, obviously we talked about GNSS and we're able to get more geospatial data, but the software has gotten so much more robust. The software has gotten so much more um, scalable. I mean, now instead of you know before we were talking megabytes and even ooh gigabytes, now we're talking terabytes of information at times, um, especially with remote sensing and all of the the, the scanning and the millions and billions of points. Um, how are you how are you seeing the GIS software being able to to make uh, even a boundary and a topographic survey better and being able to use that data for I won't say other uses, but for better analyzation of what that that data has been picked up for? 
Well, I think that's a great question. And, you know, I have, as you're well aware, the unique perspective of, of kind of being on three sides of the table and that being the engineering side, the surveying side, and also the GIS side. And, you know, we, we find tremendous value uh, in GIS and its capability in being able to take the data that's captured at the front end of a project and be able to use it throughout the project life cycle, really. And ultimately, it, it, it comes down to, again, what's your purpose and, and what's your, what part of the project are you working in or what is your need and your purpose? For instance, in an engineering design project, you know, we go out at the very beginning of a project and of course you're doing traditional uh, data collection, you're determining, you know, getting data and, and records to determine boundaries and, and establish right-of-ways. And you're also doing substantial topographic surveying. Uh, and that may be in support of a design, but along the way, we may now have a drainage study involved. And so that's where now we're, you know, two-thirds of the way into the, the, the design and the, the project life cycle. And now GIS is a shining star because we've taken layers upon layers of data that we've already put the effort and legwork into, and we're feeding them into a, a GIS system. Mind you, we still design in Civil 3D or AutoCAD or your standard, you know, design platforms. I don't want to name vendors specifically, but uh, that's, you know, that's, those tools are all in the toolbox. And so, you know, the GIS really shines when you, when you're beginning to get into analysis and, and um, answering those real world questions, answering um, you know, design scenarios and design questions. And then you continue on through the life cycle and now you have a wonderful set of data for asphalting purposes. So now if your firm's also in involved, say, in the construction administration and the asphalting side of things, you just continue to march along and it, it just parlays right into that project life cycle. So I, I hope I've done a, a decent job of kind of illustrating how the accuracy of the data collection, the software, and all of that can really just tie together nicely and parlay from, let's just say, cradle to grave on a, a, a typical AEC project, if you will. Absolutely. And I think that's something that the surveying community needs to embrace more, more specifically, even the technician side. Uh, I, I like what you, what you said there about as-builts and being able to use that data going forward. I think one thing the technicians and even, you know, surveyors are going to have to get over their fear of more attributes, that you can have more than just a point number and a description, and it needs to be, <laughs> it can be, it can be, if we know more about the fire hydrant that's just been installed, that that tie, can be tied down to, to a manufacturer and installation, you know, rough installation date. And it, I mean, there's just so much more data that can be collected during those times for uh, infrastructure review for for assessment and uh, and being able to know how long some of this stuff has been around for um, that way municipalities can kind of put a shelf life on some of this stuff and they know that going back into their records that oh yeah this industrial park went in and you know 2019 and that's you know and those those fire hydrants were installed then and it tie that back with flushing the hydrants and you know a lot a lot of stuff so I think that's what one thing that the surveying community has to get used to is having a data collector with a lot more attributes to be able to plug in there at times when needed. So, um, no, I, I like I like your analogy, like you said, from from start to finish and really being able to provide that information down the road is 
is is a, a to me a, a huge plus of the GIS side of it. Absolutely, and and you really hit on a, I think a key point there that's worth just bringing right back out again, and that is, you know, traditionally um, surveyors, the surveying community on the front end of a, an engineering project, you were there at the beginning of the project. You're capturing the existing conditions. You know, that's really your your fundamental role um, in that particular capacity. And now we're seeing, you know, things are the life cycle is really going on, and it's it's circling back to the beginning because we have the ability now to as built everything. And as you alluded to, operations and maintenance then come into play and digital twinning is, 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 is on the scene and it's, there it's we here go. to stay. It's, yeah, there's it's the real, you know, I had to throw that out there. Yep. Yeah, there's that keyword, <laughs> and, digital twin. <laughs> and the technology, the technology is here uh, for that to be a reality. And in the business, in the AEC business especially, um, and that's me kind of talking with all three hats on now, there are rudimentary or um, just the way that these projects have conventionally been approached from a, you know the life cycle of the project didn't really ever consider what we have the ability to do today. And so there are you know contractual considerations and the, the the break between when design ends and con, you know construction begins and then how do how do you tie that all back around to practically make that all happen and and get the owner the data at the end of the day that will continue to live on in their asset management system Absolutely. so that's really you know mm -hmm. where we are that's really where we are today is working on that side of things too well, and I and I like how you've now tied that really all together. Like I said, with that three-legged stool of of civil engineering, surveying, and GIS. I mean, really, the original question question was supposed to be, "What is surveying?" But I think you've really tied it down very nicely, not just with the GIS, but now back with the civil engineering as well. That it all works in concert together, and when it's all hitting on hitting on all cylinders there's it, it's a great opportunity to merge all this data and really make make something of it and and have more than just oh well this is just this back a curb at this point in time and this is it uh that data has has more meaning to it and i like i like how you tied that all together well thank you it, it, that's something i'm very passionate about because i do see it frequently in in my position and that is that that the data doesn't end anymore. You know, it used to be you designed, you built, the data's done. I mean, you bid, the, you, you bid the project, set of plans is done, you bid it, it gets built, that's the end of the story. That's not the end of the story anymore, that's just the beginning. Uh, now that data is, is, is going to live on and for years, decades, perhaps, in, in another capacity, and that's new, that's different Yep. Uh, for us. No, that's very good, that's very good. Well, I think you've answered the question of what is surveying. I, I like all those answers, and I think uh, we've got a, a pretty good takeaway from here. So, I will go on a. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I'm telling the audience, um, write this name down, Linda Foster. You're going to hear more from this lady because <laughs> I think she's going to be making more noise in NSPS and the surveying and GIS and civil engineering world. Um, you can say you hear, heard it here first that. Uh, um, I tell you what, it's been fun to get to know you in just this short amount of time, the last several months, and uh, your enthusiasm is, it, it, it's contagious. And, uh, you know, I've been saying this to, to several other uh, interviewees this year, um, whether you know it or not, uh, you're a role model for a, a 
a new generation out there that have their passions in several places and uh, to see how these all come together and how excited that gets you to do your job. Um, that, that, that to me is giving, giving a younger generation, another generation uh, hope that, you know what, they can find that, that profession uh, with us as well. So thank you very, very well done. Um, I do have one question left then because since this is kind of a hybrid anyway, getting to know Linda Foster and uh, the What is Surveying, since you've had your 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 fingers in lots of different pots in your career with with all three uh, professions, what to you makes a good mentor for e not really each of those, but collectively, what what has has there been mentors that have really been able to to draw out the good things in all three of those professions during the course of your career and what what made them a good mentor? Oh, hands down that, you know, there's one characteristic that stands out in, in my mind and it doesn't matter what profession you want to, you know, I could say that I have crossed paths with them or, or not, but it, they care. It, it's that simple. At the end of the day, they love what they do and they care. And that caring piece of it comes into wanting to see what they do live on, wanting to see what they do um, flourish and see, you know, people coming up behind them um, succeeding. It's, it, that's been the number one asset I, I would say I've seen just universally in, in good mentors. Very good. Um... And you're absolutely right. And that's what uh, that's what I try to tell people as well, that um, when people give you the time of day and they listen and they care, um, there's there's no better feeling in the world when you're you're working towards something and somebody's giving you that attention. You're 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 absolutely right. So. All right, Miss Foster, I'm going to let you go. It's going to be dinner time here shortly. So uh, we appreciate <laughs> your time. We appreciate your your expertise, your input. And uh, uh, like I said, people, you're going to hear this name again. So write it down. So uh, um, that'll do it for us this week. We, we're going to continue this series. And uh, I think you're going to be pretty excited to hear some of the people coming up and really get answer that question of what is serving from many, many different perspectives um, from those who've been there, those who know and those who can respect where things are going. So uh, this has been Tim Birch uh, with for Surveyor Says, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.